ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Movie Mastery. It's the final edition of our holiday movies. So, uh, I'm John. Jeff is here with me. We are reviewing any movie you want us to, and this is our last holiday movie for December. And we are watching Santa with Muscles. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so this is a film that has... Hulk Hogan and some people. Yeah, I, I recognized at least one of or two of them. There's Clint Howard, and I'm pretty sure I saw an Ed Begley, probably the junior Ed Begley, not <laughs> Ed Begley Senior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we watched the trailer, and we're gonna give you our rundown of what we think is going to be going on in this movie before we actually watch it and get back with the review. So the trailer for this movie. Feels like a fake trailer that you would see in another movie. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it, I feel like I would be watching an actual comedy film and then this would pop up in the background. If South Park had hit its eight-season stride in the 1980s and had generated a fake trailer, it would have looked like this trailer. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's very paint-by-numbers and yet also feels like there's just nothing connected. It's like... Oh, th this guy's been naughty, but now he's Santa. And you're like, uh, what? There's this thing with Hulk Hogan movies, and I've only seen, like, two others. I oh my gosh, you haven't watched the full oeuvre of Hulk Hogan? <laughs> I think that means I'm missing one. <laughs> but I've seen the one where he has to be a babysitter, and I've seen the one where he's a wrestler, but he's not Hulk Hogan, he's ripped. And I honestly can't remember the name of it. Uh, yeah, that uh, one. Anyway... In, there's this thing with all of these movies where it seems like he's not filming them in Hollywood for some reason. Like, I, I know he is. I know these are filmed in L.A. And he has a real film crew and everything. But it's like he just gets the worst possible talent. The whole thing's like shoestring. It's, <laughs> it, it really looks like... The, it, it looks like every Hulk Hogan movie is a grassroots effort to save a small community the, uh, center or something like that. <laughs> if we don't put on a show, Mr. Hogan, they'll tear down the community center. And he's like, all right, we'll make a movie. Yeah, which is... Almost the plot of this, which is they have to save the orphanage from an evil guy who wants to tear down the orphanage which for is no reason. a big part of the reason why it seems so fake. Like, when you watch the trailer, it's like, they're going to tear down an orphanage. Like, really? Yeah, the, the whole thing is just like, this guy didn't like Christmas, but now he's Santa, and he has to save an orphanage from evil scientists. And you're like, this is, this is a fake movie. Also, evil scientists? What is this, like... Arizona now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh, it's the story of how Hulk Hogan saved us from the myth of global warming. <laughs> if global warming, why hot? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Hulk Hogan, truly you have beaten all of our scientists. The most evil of them. Now we will run you for president. <laughs> it couldn't hurt. <laughs> So, okay, based on this movie, we're going to see a bunch of annoying ragamuffin kids. Uh, we saw a woman at the very beginning of it waving $50 at some elves. I assume she's going to be a Hulk Hogan love interest. Uh, because she's in that sort of, I'm an actress, but not one you've ever seen before. So, sure, I'll kiss Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, she's in charge of the elves, so it makes sense that if he was pretending to be Santa, then she would have some sort of say over him. Yeah. We see Santa in a tank top Santa outfit. Yeah. Uh, also, at the very beginning, he says some stuff in a not-Santa voice, and it's the worst kind of, like, fake rich guy voice that Hulk Hogan's doing. <laughs> like, the fact that he didn't pepper every sentence with Muffy was, was, was impressive to me. Uh, yeah, the, uh, let's see. Predictions for me, uh, obviously they need to save the orphanage, so let's just go ahead and say they, well, they have to stop a scientist, so... Obviously, he's going to, but I'm, I'm going to say they have to hold some sort of Santa-themed contest. Because that's what every stereotypical thing that's a movie like this is. They're like, we need to have a bake sale where we sell $20,000. And then there's some, like, baking competition where you, it happens to be the prize is $20,000 or some shit. So I'm going to assume that Santa, or the Hulk, is Santa because of amnesia. But then so it found out later in the film that he is not Santa, and then all of the people that he's been Santa to start to hate him. 
So that's going to be one of my predictions that that like he's going to have to win everyone's heart back after they're like you're not Santa, you lied. Uh, so I think we're going to get that, especially with that one girl that's in it because you're not Santa, you're better. Oh, that's right, she does say that. So that must be a dramatic coming back <laughs> after the part where she hates him and he has to win her love back through I don't know hulking out. Yeah, maybe her, maybe her uh, un- inability to stay mad at twenty four inch pythons. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to. Stay mad when someone takes your anger and drops it from the top rope. <laughs> gives it a leg drop. I think it's also a, probably a safe prediction that there will be some stupid wrestling jokes. It's just like how whenever you put Shaq in movies, he's got to do a basketball thing. Yeah. Like, you have you seen Steel? No, I haven't. Oh, we should put that on the list. Oh. So, someone recommend Steel so we can put it on the list. Because, get this, it's got stupid... Even though he has nothing to do with basketball. And he's like a retired army engineer who's building machinery to help the inner city. There's a scene where he has to hit a three-point shot to to uh, save the day. I mean, I I mean, it's not exactly that. He's not on the basketball court or anything, but I, I, I shit you not, that is just every Shaq movie. <laughs> so I figure, like, that's a Hulk thing, too, and there's got to be a scene where he pro-wrestles. Well, I figure when he's fighting people, there's got to be some point where he, like, suplexes a guy into... Let's say Christmas de- decorations. Yeah, or he like uses a candy cane as a, as an illegal object or foreign object in the ring. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, you want to go watch the movie? All right, let's let's go watch Santa con carne, and we will be right back. <laughs> Santa with beef. <laughs> kind of like that better. <laughs> back we have seen the, the glory of the coming of the lord <laughs> oh man this was weird like this didn't match any of my expectations i'm not saying it's good i mean i expected it to be bad and i was right there but it, it didn't it wasn't bad in any of the ways i figured it still did feel to me like this was a fake movie yeah it felt like i mean like i said at the beginning it felt like this is a movie you'd see in the background of some other movie like, you'd be watching some comedy, and they're like, what do you do for your Christmas time? Oh, we watched Santa with Muscles, and it would show a clip from this, right. but it would be fake. But then they made the whole movie. Also, it still has my expect or my feel that this is like a community production, that this was done in a day because of an emergency. They were like, oh, oh old Mr. Potter at the bank, he, he can play a mad scientist. We'll just have him put in some false teeth. Except so many people in here are character actors that I know from stuff, and I'm like... Man, how did you get them in here? And honestly, it takes a a pretty amazing level to make me feel bad for Ed Bagley Jr. to be in something. Right? He's uh, him, and I don't I don't feel bad for Clint Howard being in this. Oh no, Clint Howard, whatever you you take what you can get, Clint. <laughs> he does. He's in like four hundred movies. <laughs> <laughs> I've met Clint Howard once, and uh, I, I was at an event, and he was there. And I tell you, he was literally just talking about old Hollywood and dressed like a power broker the entire time. Like, he had one of those, t- like, uh, what, what do you want to call it? A receding hairline ponytails? Oh. So he had this big ponytail going on, and he was dressed in, like, a nice suit, and he was just kind of walking around like, yeah. Like, he, I, I felt like a cigar was missing from his ensemble. That really sounds like he was playing a Captain Planet villain. He was, basically. Except he was a very nice guy, just kind of going on and on about, like, how old starlets were way hotter. And how he was going to get those planeteers. I'll get those planeteers, he said. <laughs> he says to me, he says, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> so I showed him what what I did. Uh, All right, let's start this movie off. So, okay, at the very beginning, there we, we zoom in on some a Santa missing from his, his uh, mall appearance. That's the first scene, is, is Santa missing from his mall appearance, and there's a bunch of elves in a... For some reason... The mall is constructed a full-size house for Santa to, to hang out in between a, sitting in his chair. So there's like ten elves in there just smoking and drinking and gambling. Which is weird because they also just never show up. You get one guy who, again, the main elf here is some character actor that I've seen in a million things. Oh, yeah. And he is prevalent. Boy, a little Ooh. of him goes a long way. Yeah, that is... Main elf guy... Uh, Lenny. Lenny is... Yeah. Man, he is, he's a little over the top, and again, they don't really know what they want to do with him in this movie, because they're just kind of like, 
hey, maybe he's a bad guy, or maybe he's not, or maybe maybe he's going to turn coat, or he doesn't. Eh. I don't know. I'll tell you one thing, though. More than half of his lines are 80 yard in, and they're done by someone who doesn't even try to do his voice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you notice that? Like, uh, half the lines of the movie, all of a sudden, it'll, it'll, it'll uh, show him from the back, and a voice that's vaguely... A, like masculine will be like, "Hey kids, it's a good idea to recycle." And you're like, "Was that Hulk?" No, okay, that was supposed to be Lenny. And then it comes back to him, "Yeah, recycle, kids. Yeah, yeah, you should recycle. I'll be in the other room." Hey, oh boy, yeah, see it, yeah. Oh God, stop it! Please stop, stop. talking. I just, I'm just praying for the sweet release of the of the deep voiced ADR Lenny to pop in. Yeah, Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, I like money. So this this woman in the blue out the blue power suit, the blonde comes in. This is the one I thought would be the the Hulk Hogan love interest. And no, she's basically only in this scene. But yeah, she, she pops in and says like, "I've got fifty bucks for the first elf who finds Santa Claus," because I guess their their mall Santa is missing. Yeah, which uh, supposed to be an incentive, and it, at least Lenny seems like, "Oh yeah, I want that fifty dollars." But the rest of them are like, "Oh yeah, sure." And immediately ignore everything and go back to just playing cards. Again, in a full-size, completely decorated for Christmas, like, interior of the mall house, which none of the kids go into or anything. It's like, why did they build this? Was this for the edification of these drunk elves that are in here? What? Who, who wants this? Apparently. I, I don't know. Anyway, also note that the elves are all just full-size dudes. Like, we aren't doing the whole, uh, get some of the, the little people working actors today and get them in there. No, it's just... Random people he found on the street. Yeah, so it's just full-sized looking, like, union teamster looking guys. So, the first question to me is, how come none of them, especially Lenny, who's like a money-obsessed goofball, doesn't go, well, I'm Santa, just put on the outfit. Yeah. Like, that's, I'd be like, I could do that. Instead of walking kids to Santa, I'll just sit there and have kids walk up to me. I feel like you want to get promoted to Santa if you're a mall elf. Yeah, for an extra 50 bucks, plus whatever more Santa makes over being an elf, you're like, Sweet, I'm on it. I'll do it. Yeah, just disappear for a second. Pop back in and go, look, it's me. I'm Santa. Ho, ho, ho. I found myself. Give me $50. <laughs> Give me that $50. <laughs> that sweet, sweet fitty. I found Santa. He's hiding around that corner, but you need to close your eyes. <laughs> Shh, Christmas magic. <laughs> Relax, lady. I found Santa. He's you. <laughs> but anyway, we cut then, and we cut to, oh, God, Hulk Hogan. We, we cut to Hulk Hogan doing his best I wish I was Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. Because yeah. the, the beginning scene with him is, it's trying to be very commando. Like he's stalking some rich person's house. And he's like, oh, I'm fighting the help. And, you know, like, the chef is an excellent fighter. And the uh, yeah. guy who cuts the yard is an excellent fighter. And they all fight with gimmicky versions of the thing they would use to do their job. So it's yeah, like, so it's like, I have a spatula. Or I have, like, a tire iron. Yeah, and they're all just attack, and they all they are all of the school of shout stupidly and then kind of just charge at him. So every time you catch the new guy, it's just like, oh, and here is the chef, and the chef goes ay, 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 and runs at him and then tries to hit him with a spatula. Yeah, and so we get several minutes of this, and again, he's it he's trying to be Schwarzenegger, like he picks up like some dish that has food in it, and he's like, oh. Eggs with brie. Delicious. But then just, like, throws the plate at a guy. Also, eggs with brie? Yeah, I don't know why the hell it was, like, a brie omelet. And was, I'm like, who makes that? Was that, like, the most expensive cheese that the, the script writer could think of? Most likely. He's like, okay, what would be really decadent what's at a, a rich guy's house? What's a decadent cheese? Cheddar? No. No, not cheddar. That's stupid. Uh, my, Velveeta. That, <laughs> that's got him. Punch up. I need punch up on this. What's a more expensive cheese? It's just like, hey, what's the Frenchiest cheese you got? Yeah. I don't know. What's brie? That, what's that Frenchy fat cheese some people like? That's brie. Oh, that's that's brie. It's it's uh it's terrible. It's like snot going onto a cracker, and some people eat it because they're dumb and idiots. That's John's actual opinion about brie, which is slightly thicker than average super butter and is the best cheese and I don't know what's wrong with him. Ugh, it's disgusting and I hate it and I don't want any of it. Now all of you can keep your dumb brie. You know what? I don't like eggs. So between the two of us, no, no, no one here wants a brie omelet. No, nobody wants that omelet. Yeah. It's a good thing that Hulk Hogan throws it away. Yeah, that, that made us both happy. <laughs> right, get that thing out of here. Yeah. Vindication against a dumbass omelet. <laughs> anyway, he uses the omelet for like 
self-defense or something, and then uses the shield, or the plate as a shield, and and then the big twist reveal, as it's tur- as it turns out that all of these are his employees, because he's the rich guy. Because he's a rich guy. He's Blake Thorne, uh, health industrialist of some kind. He's got his own line of like. He's like a Paul Newman. Yeah, well, it's he's like Paul Newman for health food stuff. So he's yeah. got. Like, nutrition bars and whey protein and all that shit. I only say Paul Newman because later in the film he does use salad dressing as part of a prop. Yes, he does. So, that is true. Yeah, so the, my first thought was, oh man, he probably also has really good lemonade. He's He's got some really good Oreo equivalents. <laughs> I was just thinking of the Oreo equivalents, yeah. So he's... Anyway, he's, he's kind of a... I was just thinking of Oreo equivalencies. I'm like, <laughs> Oreo, well, you got a Hydrox. Okay, no, wait, one Oreo, Oreo equals. <laughs> yeah, one Oreo equals. What is the equivalency of Oreo? <laughs> one Oreo equals one child smile. Aw. Aw. I'll anyway, take the Oreo. I'm just picturing a movie called Paul Newman with muscles. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Gotta get that in while Paul Newman was still alive just to piss him off. <laughs> Paul Newman with some tone and acting ability. Hey. Hey, whoa. Hey, come on now. (laughs) Hey, that's a little harsh, don't you think? That's my Paul Newman impersonation. He he sounds like, hey, hey, ho, I'm Paul Newman. Hey, ho. That's Paul Newman for you. That's true. I've met him. I know. All right, what's your Randy Newman impression? Hey, I'm Randy Newman. Not bad. Yeah, that's close enough. Okay, now what's your Gary Newman impression? What? Damn it, you lost out. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, wait. How about just Newman? Jerry. <laughs> oh, wasting time. Uh, okay, right. so he is the rich guy. And he's, he's a rich guy, and his thing is he has rules. Yeah, and he's he writes... got like 368 of them, and they reference five. Yeah. It's like Ferengi rules of acquisition. Yeah, it's just, we needed something for him to say, and he's like, remember rule 20, never give up. And you're like, okay. Never great. surrender is actually the only one he references more than once, too. The, the rule 20, never surrender. But he's also he also has one like, rule 3315, never do something unless someone else wants you to do that thing and will give you money to do that thing. <laughs> write, write that down, Tolliver. Like, the whole time, he switches into this accent when he's rich. Yeah, he tries his best to be like, "Oh, I'm I'm a rich man. I'm Hulk Hogan doing a rich guy voice. Oh, this is what you sound like, rich people. I'm quite rich myself, you know, but I still sound like a dirtbag from Tallahassee." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was just Jeff. That wasn't him saying anything about the movie. Jeff just sounds like a dirtbag from Tallahassee. <laughs> I have opinions about pickup trucks. <laughs> You know it's great? Speedboats. I don't have one. I like watching them. 90% of the time when a fan boat's broken, it's the fan. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, so he's uh decides like, oh, I can't do a charity charity for children because what am I? Some kind of charity guy? No, that's dumb. If they oh, Yeah. Is my rule number me. three something or another is that I don't do things unless people are whatever. Okay, great. So we're trying to set him up as an insensitive rich guy with no, like, down-homey experience. And then he goes paintballing. Yeah, he runs off to go paintballing, but not before he yells about how his face isn't big enough on a can of some kind of health oh, yeah, supplement. Oh, make the picture of me bigger. Except the, the can is literally just a picture of him, so I guess he wants it zoomed in so you don't see his huge Hulk Hogan-y forehead. Oh, man, that's the joke, is he's so vain that he wants the picture that's already huge on there to be bigger. I know, I, I'm just picturing it, that Hulk Hogan, having been robbed by the costume department of his hiding baldness bandana, is like, well, just zoom in until it's just my eyebrows and below. <laughs> I'd lo- love to see some of that uh, Hulk Hogan brand stuff where it's just his eye staring <laughs> at you. One huge eye next to a picture of a python. <laughs> <laughs> A little caption underneath, and every bottle of Hulk Hogan's brand salad dressing starts with his eye. But don't worry, there's luxurious hair up there. Lots of it. Like a man. (laughs) Oh, anyway, yeah, he goes paintballing with a bunch of random bros that weren't in the scene until he gets into a Jeep with them to drive away. And the weirdest thing to me is they get to some place, which seems like they're going to be paintballing there. 
And they're like, alright, so the whole point is, uh, we need to get the flag, and you need to not get shot, okay? And then he shoots the guy, and he's like, haha, never trust your enemy! And then they drive off, and don't go paintballing, instead they just start driving around town. Yeah, they're just driving around real fast. I guess they were gonna have, like, a, a car versus dirt bike paintball fight. Like, it was one of those rich people things, I guess. You know, you're decadent Richie Riches, and they're driving around and... Paintballing the, the, from the back of a truck? <laughs> from the back of a Jeep in the California desert, like you do. <laughs> uh, so, this, this is where the world's worst speed trap, starring Clint Howard, shows up. Yeah, Clint Howard pretending his, his uh, radar gun is a real gun, because I... I have to, I'd like to imagine that they just didn't give him any business, and he was like, well, fuck you, I'm, I'm an actor, I'm gonna add some business. <laughs> add some business. I'm gonna add a little business to this. Yeah. Uh, oh, gonna... this, this needs a little of that Clint Howard business. Ah, yeah. <laughs> That's what he did. He did Sprinkle same... a little of that business on there. <laughs> he did the same thing in Apollo 13. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Apollo 13. This looks like it could use some Howard business. <laughs> a little of that Clint Howard business. <laughs> Sprinkle it from a can. <laughs> mm, them Clint Howard Jimmy's business. Oh my god, I would so buy a can of Clint Howard business. <laughs> New at Cheese Dudes, Clint Howard business. Yeah, Clint Howard's business Jimmy's. <laughs> Sprinkle them on your cheese stank. <laughs> uh, so, he is at a speed trap that is... In the middle of nowhere. Oh, that's not even on a road! No, he's just sitting in, like, a weird little alcove of dirt with his car, <laughs> with his speed gun out, where there isn't a road. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll find speeders out here. Yeah. <laughs> speeders. <laughs> and then, randomly, Hulk Hogan and his ne'er-do-wells drive by, and he's like, oh, no! Terrorists! Yeah, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> known terrorist. <laughs> When was this movie made? Like in the early 90s? It was 1996. Okay, this so... This movie looks like it was made in 1986. I want to say, what was the last appropriate year for, for movies to get away with white terrorists? Because that's that's definitely... That was an 80s thing. Was it like... You'd have like a boat unload just like 80 guys and they'd all be like, Hello, we're terrorists. Yeah, yeah we're terrorists from Germany. And you're like, what? what? Yeah, yeah, Die Hard, for example. Yeah. They got some... Ter- I mean, granted, they are thieves. But they are acting like terrorists. No, the whole thing with them was just like, oh, we're randomly European and we're terrorists. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? And before anyone gets mad at me, I'm not saying that I think that all terrorists are brown people. What I'm saying is that the movies think that. Oh, yeah. Nowadays, you can't call someone, oh, yeah, this guy's a terrorist unless he is a brown person in a movie now. Yeah, that's that's become a thing. So, so that's what I'm saying is that this must have been like the tail end of when you could have a person be like, white guys are going by. They must be terrorists. And he's like, oh my god, they're driving and have guns. Terrorists! I'm like, dude, do you know where you are right now? White guys driving around in big old Jeeps with guns is just Texas. That's all that is. Or any part of California east of the five. Or Arizona. Yeah. I mean, well, technically Arizona is a part of California east of the five. (laughs) I mean, when you get right down to it. Oh, I don't want Arizona as part of my state. (laughs) Well, the thing is, if you go out to East County, like where, of California, out where Arizona begins, you're in Arizona. It's true. Like, if you're in Brawley, no, you're in Arizona. You don't, you can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) No one knows. The Salton Sea is just Arizona adjacent. The this horrible is, tendrils of Arizona creeping across yeah. the land. This has been your report on parts of California that not even people from California care about. <laughs> so, Clint Howard decides, I have to stop these terrorists. Yeah, and he yells to send everything. Send your helicopters! Send everything you got! Everyone! <laughs> Unload the Clint Howard's heavy business! <laughs> Clint Howard's Heavy Business. Please ask your parents before using Clint Howard's Heavy Business. <laughs> only use Clint Howard's Heavy Business up to twice per day without consulting a physician. <laughs> if baldness occurs while using Clint Howard's Heavy Business, congratulations. You are now Clint Howard. <laughs> <laughs> the curse has been passed on to a new... <laughs> That's what Clint Howard is. <laughs> the curse of Clint Howard. It's oh. what happens. You just get bit by a Clint Howard and then during the full moon... You're like, oh no, the change is coming over me! Yeah, I want to put some business on that. I got, I had that problem for a while after I ran over that gypsy's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) He showed up at my house and went, Clint Howard. Oh no! (laughs) Where he touched me, I started getting bald. God's dinner is the worst. (laughs) Anyway, 
Hulk Hogan's stupid Jeep is being chased by police. And his friend in the Jeep asks him a hey, very good question. You are rich as hell. Why don't you just pull over and pay this off? And he's, rule number 20, never surrender. Okay, what? Okay. How, what? Have you, how have you not been arrested several times already? <laughs> <laughs> All you do is goof around as a big, dumb, rich idiot, and yet here you are being chased by the police for the first time ever. Well, the thing is, what he was doing before this is not something that would cause, like, seven police cars to normally come after oh, you. Oh, so it's really a confluence of him and Clint Howard doing his... Yeah, terror fears. Where the Hogan meets the Howard, that's where the action lies. So, oh god, so Hulk Hogan's plan to get away from Clint Howard and his band of of policemen is to just jump out of his own Jeep. Yeah, he's just like, well, time to go, and just fucking, like, ducks and rolls out of the Jeep. And I'm like, what happened to no surrender? You straight up just bailed. <laughs> yeah, just abandoning your car. He doesn't care if the car surrenders. And he even tells the other guy what to do. Just drive till they catch you. The rules are for me. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he just jumps out of his Jeep and runs into a mall. And you can probably see where this is starting to go. So in order to hide, he puts on the Santa outfit, which they... Are slightly fooled until they aren't because they see his fatigues poking out of the costume. Also, they hear him talk because the moment he says anything, it's right back into that rich guy voice. Because a kid comes up and he's like, I found Santa. And he does like the, yeah, well, fax me what your list is, Brad. Because the kid has one of those stupid giant lists to Santa on a rolled up sheet of parchment. Did you ever do that as a kid? Get yourself a nice rolled up sheet of like 12th century Byzantine parchment. Parchment. I went down to the local monk abbey, got myself some parchment, and illuminated a text to Santa. I had to fill in all the margins with doodles of monks with comically large boners learning lessons. (laughs) Dear Santa, and then in the margin there's like a snail farting a trumpet at a dog. Also the D is like ridiculously ornate and dear. (laughs) Dear Santa. (laughs) Yeah. My first thing I had to ask Santa for was for some parchment from the Library of Alexandria upon which to craft a proper list. (laughs) And of course one of those huge ostrichy feather pens. Uh, So they realize that he is not Santa because he has fatigues poking out. So he runs away and hides in a trash chute. Oh right, which is hilarious because it leads to... Clint Howard and Cop B running in and, like, try, trying their best to find him. And his fingers are just moving around in the background of all the Clint Howard shots. Like, every time you, you, they, they show Clint, there's just hul- hulky fingers right behind him going, There's not even holding on. Because he's just dingling them on, <laughs> just, on the edge of this thing. Just dingling them. He's, he's tickling the ivories of this trash chute. So, we, of course, then get the gag of someone putting trash down the trash chute. Which ends with a giant Santa, like, ceramic thing hitting him on the head. He falls down the chute, smacks his head into a dumpster, and then doesn't know who he is. And that's where we enter Lenny telling him that, hey, you're, you're Santa. Oh, yeah, you're, you're the real Santa. You should come with me. Yeah, after he steals his wallet and establishes who he is. And he's like... Oh, Blake Thorne, the richity richiest of all the richy riches. Oh boy, I'm gonna take his money. Yeah, he does a dance and tries his wallet, gets his wallet. Oh, American Express, it, yeah. MasterCard. <laughs> yeah, he starts listing off the credit cards, which again is one of those things that I think no one does anymore. No. I think there was a time period, again, I, and I feel like this movie's like, must have sat on the shelf for like five years or eight years, so it was from the 80s technically. Because there's a part where he's dancing around about the different kinds of credit cards he finds. And I feel like you don't do that after, like, 1990. Huh. Everyone's like, what kind of card do you have? It's a fucking, I don't know, probably a Visa? It's got, it's a V. It's a, it starts with 4-4, four, four, so it's a V. It's a Visa. <laughs> it's a Visa, right. Okay, cool. Because they're all the same now. The only one that still sucks is Discover. Huh. It's true. <laughs> Poor Discover. I almost feel bad for them. Well, you know, every once in a while, you'll find a place today that won't take Amex because it costs more to run their cards or something. Oh, yeah. No, they yeah. they cost, like, it's not much, but it's still just pennies for every transaction. Yeah. So the local game store doesn't take them. Right. So that's the thing where that's the only difference between these cards, though. I mean, I, I'm never like, oh, my God, I found a MasterCard. You know that people with MasterCards got money because I have a MasterCard and I know there's no money on it. Oh, yeah. But this is this is Blake Thorne. Known man with guy. Yeah. Guy with health potions. Known man with stuff. Yeah. I guess at this point we get our big connection to the bad guy because Lenny calls someone and says like, I got you 50 bucks. I got you money. And they're like mad at him and saying it's not enough. Yeah. Because he apparently took out a loan 
from Mr. Frost. And Mr. Frost is Might as well go and the bad guy. Introduce that now, or yeah, yeah. So we also let me get a little background. We had a scene we forgot to mention where one of the kids at the orphanage is writing to Santa to save the orphanage. Oh God, you're right. That's like the very from start of the movie. Mr. Frost. Yeah, and Frost is buying up everything around the orphanage. And just, like, tearing it down, and he wants that orphanage. Yeah, he really wants the orphanage for nefarious purposes. But And he's got a doctor that's... I don't know. You're right. The kid writes the letter. Yeah, so we also get a scene where we get uh, an introduction to our bad guys. Oh my god, this is the stupidest shit. This is the part of it that's like a high school play. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, it starts with a man dangling from an A-frame that a Boy Scout made. Like, and he's like, upside down. Yeah, and he owns a shoe store. And uh, there's the doctor who is talking to him. And he's like, hey, well, you're going to have a meeting with Mr. Frost. Mer. And he sets up a TV because we find out that Frost is like a weird Which, hypochondriac. Yeah, he's a hypochondriac germaphobe. So he is doesn't want any contact with anything. And he has a ridiculous house that has like giant tubes outside that spray disinfectant randomly into the air. Yeah. It's, it's like the giant steam jets you see in sci-fi movies. Yeah, if there was just some, like, Danny Elfman music going on and it was a little darker, that house totally would have been in a Tim Burton film. Oh, you're absolutely right. This whole sequence would have been in a Tim Burton film if they turned the lights down by about 30% and just gave everyone British accents instead of just the Doctor. Yeah, if people had been moving a little more jerkily, yeah. had been dressed slightly more gothy... If the lady with electric powers had whispered all of her lines into the back of the main character's neck... And was Helena Bonham Carter... That's all she does. <laughs> she has poodles for hair and she whispers into necks. That is the secret of her Hollywood success. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see that autobiography... Poodles for hair and whispering into necks, the story of my fame. This may sound really specific, audience, but go look for yourself. Watch any Helena Bottom Carter movie and just count the number of times that she slinks around behind the main guy and whispers into his neck. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it her, is every film. It's her move. So, uh, he has three scientists. We get some idiot geologist right. who doesn't okay. matter. So let's 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 go through this and first of all I'll tell you that all three of the scientists are like Captain Planet villains shtick. Like yeah. all, 100% just shtick. So the the geologist is he's got one of those like little brushes you would use for fossils, a pith and, helmet. Yeah, a pith helmet and he just looks like Someone out of a stereotypical archaeology dig. And he's the one who's basically there because they needed one more guy. Like, he doesn't do anything. Yeah, and he's Dr. Flint. Ah. And then you get the guy who is a Canadian chemist who loves methane for yeah, some reason. He, he's obsessed with... He literally has a canister tied to him that says stink gas. And he's like, oh, I think methane is nature's perfume. Except he doesn't say it like that. He goes... Methane, nature's perfume. Yeah, and, and again, he has giant false teeth on the top. That are... And when they specified that he was Canadian, I was like, oh, they're going to do some, like, oh, yeah, I'm a professor, eh? I like that methane. But no, they didn't. They did nothing Canadian with him. They just found some weird goblin, stuck false teeth into his face, and then told him to shoot stink gas at he people. He kind of looks like Brian Cox. <laughs> Wait, Bri Brian Cox, the British physicist? <laughs> no, Brian Cox, the Canadian fart scientist. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, oh I don't know God. how you got that wrong. <laughs> I would watch Brian Cox, the British physicist, and Brian Cox, the Canadian fart scientist, on BBC giving a special talk. Wait, am I, am I saying his name wrong? Isn't Brian Cox, like, for example, the bad guy in X-Men 2? No, that is also Brian Cox. Okay, there right. Is okay. All, but there is another Brian Cox, <laughs> which is, is a British physicist. <laughs> Who's all... He's like the rock star of being a British physicist. Great. That's, so, that, so that means he takes the, the act of being a physicist, adds the act of being like a, a shabby Young? sophomore math teacher. Oh, yeah. No, he's like, oh, what are you? I look sort of like one of the Beatles. Okay, great. All right. So sure. he's he's England's uh, Neil, Neil deGrasse, deGrasse Tyson. Tyson. Yeah, okay. Fair. I wish Michio Kaku was America's Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm just going to say, I, I'm getting kind of tired of that guy and his telling us how Star Wars doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get uh, him and that's Dr. Vile And then we get a lady who's obsessed with electricity Named Dr. Watt Right, and she has lightning gloves And otherwise is dressed like 
a, an extra from a dance scene in the Jetsons. And we are told that she is beautiful. And we need to be told that because it is not obvious otherwise. <laughs> you couldn't tell. <laughs> I mean, to me, she kind of just looks like a Canadian fart scientist. If I'm being honest. Oh, man. Actually, she, she kind of just looks like Gina Carano. Like, like just ready look, to fight. She has, like, weird wig and weird outfit and, like, thick makeup and glasses. And I'm like, I can't actually tell what you look and like. For all the time they take introducing these characters and their disparate powers... We're taking way too much time talking about them, because they aren't really... They do not matter at all. Yeah. Not even a little bit. So the three of them, here's what they do. They torture the shoe salesman guy who's tied upside down. And he decides to sell his shoe store, which is the second to last thing he needs. And now all he needs is the orphanage. He needs that orphanage, damn it. And that orphanage is very clearly an old church. Yes. And... (laughs) Okay. That orphanage is very clearly a model. Yeah, a lot of the time it's a model. (laughs) We get a scene of Santa Hulk Hogan sitting in the Santa chair with kids in his lap, and he's still very amnesia-y, so he's answering all the questions with, I don't know, what would you do if you were Santa? Hey, hey kids. And uh, he then gets called in to save the donations to the orphanage that someone had set up that two guys tried to steal. Oh, yeah, we get a scene two of, random punks. Yeah, we get a scene of him beating up the punks, and then he's like, I need to go to the orphanage. And Lenny's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why? And he's like, I need I need to go there. I have this money for them. It's their I, money. I gotta... It's their money, and they need it now. <laughs> hey, kids. <laughs> have any of you ever gone into still construction? <laughs> kids got the right kind of tiny hands. <laughs> Hey, kids, any of you roll cigars before? (laughs) Hey, kids, those are some nice shoes. How would you like to make shoes for Santa? (laughs) (laughs) So he convinces Lenny to take him to the orphanage, and Lenny is only agreeing to this because he is trying to steal Blake's money. Right, and the one time... He has, like, his ATM card, but the ATM, instead of taking a pin... Takes a thumbprint. Well, that's just what rich people do, John. I mean, I understand that you and I are both of the bourgeois, but I have seen how the upper class lives, and it's all thumbprint scanners and retinal eye beams. <laughs> yeah, that, the whole way down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, the whole way down. You have to. You don't know until you get one of them poop tests to ensure that you are who you are. That's. <laughs> Please fuck this machine in order to verify identity. Please poop into this man's outstretched hand. Very good, sir. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Ah, Don't look! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so he shows up at the orphanage as our main wacky villains are pulling a statue down, and he threatens them without doing anything to them. He, like, stops the van from running yeah, over one he, of the groundskeeper guys or whatever. Yeah, there's a, there's an old man there that that's, is yelling at the people to leave the orphanage alone, and then they try to drive over him in an ice cream truck. Because the villains travel around in this movie in an ice cream truck that is too small for all four villains, because that's funny. And then, for somehow, Santa, after getting off of Lenny's little scooter, has a rope that he uses to lasso this ice cream truck and then pull it backwards. Oh, no, it's the chain that they pulled the oh, statue okay, down so he with. gets them by the chain. That makes sense. Yeah. So he pulls this car, this moving car backwards a little while and then lets it go and then get away. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm strong. I can stop a car dead. Okay. And then what? Nothing. Bye. <laughs> and then, I... I Okay, so the old man comes up to him and introduces himself as Stan, says he's like the groundskeeper and person who helps run the orphanage, and then the the woman who who runs the orphanage and the three orphans come out. Including Mila Kunis! Oh, is that... Oh, she's the oldest one. Mila Kunis is the oldest orphan in this. The nerd one, that's right. Yeah, okay, so we got a Mila Kunis in this movie. Yeah. She's a nerd, is her thing. She knows stuff that she read in books. Yeah, she reads books. I mean, she... What a nerd. That is her full character. Because she's not as important as the littlest girl, who I swear is from from, uh, Full House. (laughs) Yeah, the little girl who's like, I believe in Santa and fairies and the Easter Bunny and... My mom's a ghost and she can talk to me! Santa, sit by me! And she has a... I can't do her voice. She has the super high-pitched little kid voice. Yeah. 
And then the grumpy middle boy, the the boy. And who, then the troubled little boy who has also been in other things that I've seen. I yeah. just don't remember what his name well, is. He kind of looks like the guy that we just saw in uh, Christmas with the Cranks. What's his, huh. the kid? The kid from Malcolm in the Middle. He's not because he's way too old. No, he just has that look. He has the yeah. big ears, bowl cut look. Yeah, but he's he's a ginger and he's been in several things. He's a, he's he's had problems. And so he's the troubled teen that that doesn't care about anyone. What was amazing to me is I saw the three kids come out and be all excited about Santa, and then they invite him in, and he goes in and he sits down with them, and it's just those three kids and the orphanage runner and Lenny and the and Stan, the, the person. And I was like, where are all the other orphans? Are they literally so cheap in this movie that the movie's only gonna have three orphans? And then right away they go, well, the orphanage is hardly an orphanage orphanage anymore since we got all the kids adopted except these three, these three, the worst ones. <laughs> Terrible orphans. <laughs> These are the defective orphans they brought back. <laughs> They've been back several times because of dead parent problems. <laughs> they keep murdering their parents. Oh, I didn't want to put it out that blankly, but but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all homicidal. <laughs> They're all homicidal? They keep killing hobbits? Yeah, hobbitcidal. <laughs> mm, that hobbit cider. <laughs> Finest cider in the South Shire. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we get a couple goof scenes of like, oh, you took off your beard, Santa. Oh, well, I only wear it for deliveries. The Mrs. Claus says it tickles. When I'm going down on her. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Santa loves the pussy. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Of course, I make her shave hers or else she'd have a big white beard, too. Oh, ho, ho, ho. So, none of this is in the N- movie. None of this happens because Hulk Hogan is a clean clean family entertainment. Yeah. Until, what, like last year when he started ranting grossly and sex tapes <laughs> <laughs> oh god you know what i I've, i haven't seen the hulk hogan sex tape why would you but in my head i just imagine him like sloppily having sex while eating a pastrami sandwich and then like some of it drops down he's like oh hold on let me get some of that yeah i kind of see that but what i really see is a leather bag full of way too many antlers dejectedly going through the motions. That's what I see of 2014 Hulk Hogan sex tape. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, so, uh... Oh, and occasionally it says something racist. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, Mexicans, bruh. <laughs> yeah. Because, I, I mean, I've never seen it. The only things I've read about it are that it's workmanlike, it's unpleasant, and that he is mad about his daughter dating a black guy. <laughs> When you say workman, like, it makes me think like he clocks in for it at the beginning. <laughs> Morning, Sam. Morning, Hulk. <laughs> well, oh, I guess I've got the new shift. I'm just picturing like the end of that cartoon about the wolves and the sheep. Of course, it's the <laughs> sheepdog that comes in. Morning. Morning, Sam. <laughs> and then they get to work doing each other. Just like in the cartoon. <laughs> just like in the cartoon. People always say the gadget's what caused all the furries, but no, it goes further back. Yeah. No, it's, it was the, it's the, the wolf the, and the, the sheepdog. Sheep <laughs> oh, God. It was so homoerotic because two dudes talked to each other. <laughs> you you can tell they want to have sex because they talked. That's become the new thing in, in media circles on the internet. Is it any time... This is the new Bechdel test. Is If two dudes talk to each other, they want to fuck. It's called, it's called the Mandel test. <laughs> the Howie Mandel test? The Howie test? Mandel test. <laughs> if any other man talks to Howie Mandel... They, they want to have sex with Howie Mandel. <laughs> oh, he's blowing up a, a glove like it was a balloon using his nose. <laughs> get in on that. Oh, man, I gotta get a piece of that. <laughs> oh, he shaved his head and started looking like an Ursatz 2001 devil. <laughs> he's like Mr. Clean, if Mr. Clean was kind of skeezy. <laughs> Howie Mandel, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so now we get the uh, the villains are just kind of ineffectual at everything. Yeah, and, well, they're they're goofball villains. I mean, they're the kind of people they're like the two bullies on the first Power Rangers, not like the actual bad guys on the Power oh, Rangers. Yeah. Uh, Bulk and Skull. Yeah, Bulk and Skull. That's the kind yeah. of villains they are in this move. This movie, they just keep popping up. Yeah, we'll get you. Meh. We'll push this thing. Right, what do you think of that? Ah uh, ha ha! I'll spray you with some water. Meh. You're all wet. Yeah. That's what you get. That's the bad guys in this movie. And the... So there's a fight with the doctor, who's the only one who shows any competence. And he's like, oh, and I'll hit you with my stethoscope and, like, kick you in the leg, and I I look like I can fight. He has some martial Hulk, arts. Hulk immediately turns around and just beats the crap out of him. It does this thing where he uses a digital effect to insert a cell phone into his mouth. Oh, yeah. It's the, like... 
I'm gonna hit you with the cell phone, and then we freeze the frame, and then we put it into his mouth, and then, okay, start it up again. Now, to me, that was particularly important, because it was in the trailer, looking exactly as fake. Like, that was the, something they were super proud of. Well, we only got to show one minute of this movie, guys. What should we put in? How about that ultra-fake-looking cell phone shove-in-the-mouth scene? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We need oh. that. Oh, that's a highlight. <laughs> that's one of the most important things in here. You lose that from the trailer, no one's going to know what's going on. Ugh, anyway, so... these, these thugs keep coming up and menacing Santa. At one point, the oldest orphan Mila Kunis character pops in and is like, I made you a new outfit, Santa. I fixed your suit. And she gives I made him, it sexy. She calls it, like, European cut or something, and it's... All she did was cut the sleeves off. Yeah, so now he can show off his pythons. Oh, and he has a he has a utility belt. She said. Yeah, I guess, I mean, which is mostly just like a studded Santa belt. Yeah, it's not like he's so gonna it's use plus it. one to his armor, but it, that's it. So at this point, there's just shtick coming out your ears. There's a scene where where the local news shows up and they want to interview Santa, the Santa with muscles. The Santa. Oh my God! The middle of the movie says Santa with muscles so many times. It's on a newspaper headline, and then people keep showing up and asking for Santa with muscles. Yeah, and every time he's like, no, we're all out of muscles. I do have some clams, though. <laughs> Are they fresh? <laughs> oh, Santa with clams. Would have been a way better movie. I would have seen that. <laughs> I also would have seen Paul Newman with clams. <laughs> Newman's own clams. <laughs> Ah, oh, those are my clams. Those are my own clams. Get away from them. Get away from them. Oh, it's too late. They've got some Clint Howard business. <laughs> oh, no, you you spread that Howard business all over it. <laughs> oh, there's so many catchphrases in this episode. <laughs> so, uh, we eventually find out what the actual purpose of the buying up this neighborhood is. It's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> so, underneath the orphanage is a vault. And if you go through the vault, there is a cavern with crystals. The crystals are electric boogie-oogie-oogie. They actually use the right term for this type of crystal. They call them piezoelectric crystals. But they are not like this at all. This movie basically turns them into exploding lightsabers. Yes. Uh, so they're just crystals that constantly are shooting electricity and glowing and explode if they break. Their term that they describe them by is they convert sonic vibrations into electricity. Now, the weird thing for me is, he's been trying to buy up this entire neighborhood, because I guess the caverns go throughout, like, the whole place. But the entrance is at the orphanage, which means he didn't need to buy anything but the orphanage. And yet... He really needed... I don't know why he didn't just... He's so rich. Yeah, why not just go, okay, I bought one store. I I bought, like, the shoe store. I then tear it down, drill a hole... Go into the cavern and get the shit there. Or, but if he really wants to get in through that vault door, he could just buy a better building for nothing, because he's super rich and he already basically runs the town. Look, look at it this way. He owns every building adjacent to the orphanage, right? For, like, miles in every direction. He owns every building near the orphanage. Yeah. Why doesn't he just say, hey, five people who live at the orphanage, I'm going to give you a way less drafty, better place to live instead. I'm a philanthropist. And yet, and, no. No, that won't work. It's... It's so weirdly paint-by-numbers, the way this movie goes, and then it's like, well, we have to hit these certain notes that are in every one of these movies, but it doesn't really bother connecting them. No, I mean, there's a scene where they discover that there's this hidden, uh, like, mine underneath the old church at the orphanage, and there's a huge vault door guarding it with a secret, like, passageway, like, There's a giant combo lock. A giant combo lock. Who built that? Who was like, oh, man, I found a rich treasure trove of crystals. The thing I should do is build a giant door in front of them instead of, you know, mine them for money. Now, the... Okay, so one of the other things that pisses me off in this is the character of Lenny is constantly teased as, oh, well, he's under Mr. Frost's control and he's going to turn bad. And at one point, they even say, like, when they burst in at the end, like, oh, yeah, fucking Lenny let us in. Except they didn't. Electro Lady literally blew the door off its hinges. Oh, yeah. And they walked in, but then they're like, yeah, thanks, Lenny. Like, he didn't do shit. What are you talking about? It's funny because it doesn't convince the kids in the slightest. The kids are just like, what? What is he even talking about? Who? What? No, they take him away, and one was like, Benedict Arnold, how dare you? And you're like, what? Yeah. He didn't do anything. And since you you don't see Lenny's face in that scene, you hear an ADR voice go, I have but one life to give for my country. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The, uh... So, they could have done something with him, 
But instead, he's just sort of bland and annoying throughout the whole thing. Oh, he's super annoying. There's one sequence of him trying to get his hands on a glass that uh, Hulk Hogan... Yeah, so they can use his thumbprint that he had on the glass, and when he <laughs> puts it across the skater, which... Sure, why not? That'll work. Never. <laughs> says, oh, you used your left thumb. Please use your right thumb. And he's like, oh. He starts crying on the street. But again, he used to, he just ran a glass with a thumbprint on it over the scanner thing. And it was like, it was like okay, you sure. are using a milk glass. <laughs> why not? Rich, rich people be crazy. <laughs> uh, and then we also, at the very tail end of the film when it no longer matters get the big twist which is that Blake Thorne used to live at the orphanage yeah there's a lot of amnesia going around in this movie and it's not even amnesia he just didn't give a fuck anymore he was like oh yeah no that's right I did used to live here I forgot about that I forgot about that I'm so rich I was adopted by millionaires and then turned their money into more money yeah great okay so (laughs) but also the, the super big twist is that the bad guy from the movie, the Ed Begley Jr. character, also grew up in the orphanage. You two are like orphan brothers. Except that does not matter in the slightest, except for one scene where he goes like, Hey man, remember when we used to be here? Why are you doing this? And then you get Ed Begley Jr.'s Mr. Frost going, You had millions of dollars. You were adopted by millionaires. And then didn't have to worry about anything anymore. I had to actually fight to try and get anything I wanted. And you're like, oh yeah, no, that's true. Hulk Hogan, you're kind of an asshole. And the moral of this film being that, like, he was Santa, and then got knocked out, and remembered he was Blake, and then eventually had to save them as Blake Thorne, you're like, oh no, Santa can't help you. It takes a millionaire. There is not, I, I predicted early on that there was a scene in this movie where, they may, where all the characters dislike him because he's not Santa after all, especially the kids. But there's none of that. Instead, he gets knocked out of a like a tall tower in a church on this orphanage ground. I don't know what the deal is with this. This orphanage is massive. It's like they live in Balboa Park. It, they basically live in a mission. Yeah, they live in like an old California mission with a church on the grounds that is completely empty all the time. Yeah, and it's there's no ridiculous. evidence. There's no evidence that they are having trouble with money. No, because. They have a giant church ground that they live in. Yeah, they live in this huge place. There's food all the time. There's only three orphans. I mean, really, they couldn't be having that much more difficulty than, say, for example, any family with three kids. Ugh. So, (laughs) we get to the climax of the film where, as I had mentioned, they burst in the door and they take everything. And then it takes Hulk Hogan and his crew of a French chef, his chauffeur... And his personal assistant to stop them. Don't forget that the police show up again at the end, because they, they spot him driving around town. And them say, terrorists! It's the terrorists, he says! And As he sheds a little more Howard over everything, <laughs> he <laughs> rubs his scalp and some flakes of Howard go sprinkling down upon it. And then we get a bazooka scene with the police in this movie. The police shoot a bazooka at a jeep. Where no one is armed. <laughs> oh, they're going slightly over the speed limit. My God, they're going 35 miles an hour. Better shoot a rocket at them. What the fuck? Yeah, the guy pulls out a rocket, and they stop the car, and and, and the, the chauffeur is like, Sir, do you think we... The butler is like, Sir, do you think we should surrender? They're pointing a bazooka at us. Oh, remember rule 20, Blake? And he, he goes right back to his weird rich guy voice. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it never surrender. And so they start driving at the bazooka, which shoots them, misses, and blows up Clint Howard's car. Yep. And... <sighs> oh, and then at that point, Clint Howard has picked up the new affectation of using turkey in every sentence. That's his new thing. He's like, I'll get those turkeys! Oh, shoot yeah, a turkey! Shoot a missile at the turkeys! Oh, which one of you turkeys shot that missile? <laughs> so... <laughs> So the the big showdown at the orphanage, uh, you'd think all three of the main villains would get their comeuppance by their own, uh, like, their theme. Their which two of them do. Yeah. So Electro Lady gets some water point poured on her and she zaps herself. By Lenny in his big twist. like Where he's like, ha ha, I'm actually good even it, though I've never turned bad. If we want to cut, uh, use Hulk Hogan terms, I believe it's a face turn. And he gives back his wallet... Yeah. So, uh... And then the the evil fart... The Canadian the, fart scientist. The fart scientist 
gets wrapped up in a biohazard suit and has his own fart gas pumped into the suit and it expands and, and he, he gets pushed out, out a window. window. And then, then he, when he lands, he lands in a barn, which, okay, now the orphanage has a barn? Because <laughs> he literally ends on a hay bale in an unfinished wood barn. And he starts laughing about it. Because he goes, he, he, he. I guess because he likes farts. So this was not actually all that big. Yeah, of a deal I was like, like oh, that's not really your comeuppance. He's yeah. like, I love the smell of farts. Well, well, I'll get you. I'll give you the smell of farts. I'll show you see how you like farts, you Canadian fart scientist. <laughs> Wait a minute, these aren't metric farts. <laughs> that's how they beat him. <laughs> these are imperial farts. The imperial farts. That's my favorite music from Star Wars. The imperial farts. I can't believe you're actually doing the Imperial farts. <laughs> anyway, he's he's laughing because this wasn't a big deal to him. And and then they catch the geologist guy just looking in the wrong direction and they wrap him up with duct tape. Yep. Because well, again, he is useless. Because he never does anything. His one thing is he's like, oh, you need to get through this door. What are you gonna do? I'll drill the hinges off. Oh, did we need a geologist for that? No, of course not. So they Who de- cares? They defeat all these henchmen, and then there's a scene where Ed Begley is downstairs telling with the doctor still telling these three kids that they will uh, they're gonna they're be, gonna mine these crystals gonna for mi- him, and he gives them all a, a, a mining helmet and the tiniest chisel in the world. <laughs> Because he's one of them, this little baby chisel. And I, there's no point in which he explains why children are going to be his miners. Like, I was thinking he would be like, well, I've always planned to use children to be my miners because adults would blow up the crystals with their loudness and their heavy feet. Children will be good at this sort of work. No, no he's, he's just evil. He's just being evil. But but that just leads us to the point of what would he have done if he had successfully, you know, bought out the orphanage and kicked all the kids out? Would he have had to kidnap some orphans at that point? <laughs> I gotta import my orphans I'm now. Sh- I'm short on orphans. It's a good thing I'm a millionaire, and they'll give you as many orphans as you want. <laughs> I've seen the movies. I know how this works. <laughs> well, it's the end of this movie. Give give me that plucky, curly-headed one. Oh, and all of her friends. Why not? She's gonna need pets. <laughs> <laughs> so, we then get a lightsaber duel between Hulk and Ed Bagley Jr. Swinging crystals at each other. And let it be known that the first time we saw anyone actually hold a crystal in this, it was the little boy, and he dropped it, and it, it was a, a hilarious tiny explosion. <laughs> so when these two are swinging lightsaber crystals at each other, that does not happen. There's just sparks. No, they're just... And they have a very brief conversation about how they grew up together and how one of them is now evil. But then, eventually, everyone gets in on it, and there's a bunch of slapstick to bother Ed Begley Jr. Like, the woman who runs the orphanage runs up behind him and pokes him, and then there's a shot of her going, Ha ha! Yeah! As she pokes him, and you're like, what? What did you... What did, what, what, what am I... What's, what's going on? And so, <laughs> the it finally ends with a giant, like, disruption of the crystals, so they're all... Going to explode, so they have to run, and they all run out of the building, and then it, like, it doesn't explode so much as it does the end of Poltergeist implosion. Yeah, parts of the building sort of fall in on themselves, and they do manage to get all the villains out, and there's police there, but the police catch the villains instead of Hulk Hogan. Because the reporters show up again, and the reporters are like, oh, hey, you managed to catch, like, the infamous Frost Gang, and I'm like, wait a minute. So everyone knew they were bad guys from the start? Like, this was a thing? Well, there's a bunch of stuff in this movie that's, this was a thing. Like, when when Hulk Hogan first finds that vault downstairs and the kids are like, we figured out the first three numbers in the combination. Okay, what is that? How do you know you figured out the third number in a combination yeah, we, if you don't know the fourth or fifth? We know we figured out the first three because... The door won't open. It, I don't know, lit up and said, good job, you got three. <laughs> yeah, d- none of that. But then he knows the last number. And, you know, you can actually figure out the number if you want by yourself, because the combination is 8, 24, 16, which there's a couple different ways you could finish that sequence. So you could be like, oh, it's a math puzzle, and I figured out the math puzzle. But the real answer is, no one knows. There's a part where he starts to get his memory back down there, after he's like, how did I know the combination to that vault? Oh, that's weird, I should know the combination to that vault. Also, I think Santa's a made-up story, so I'm definitely not really Santa. That doesn't make any sense. That's weird. Also, I don't actually have a beard, or am Santa. Also, the only person who tells me Santa keeps trying to take my wallet. So... (laughs) So I'm not Santa, but why do I know that combination? And the answer, get ready, 
isn't in the movie. We just don't talk about it. No. That's just, don't worry about it. The, I still don't, why is there a door there? Oh, yeah. If that's, someone that's, knew that these crystals money. were yeah. millions of dollars, which they say, they're like, oh, this is millions of dollars worth of crystals. Okay. So someone knew that and built a door and locked up this cavern. Why didn't they come back for it? Why? <laughs> they died. They died the next day. <laughs> also, everyone who built that door died, because that's not a one-man door. Except Hulk Hogan knows the combination, so obviously not everyone who knew that it was down there well, died. Well, like I said, there's a lot of amnesia going around in this movie. Oh, Clearly, he God. knew the combination, which means he's been down there before, but he's literally forgotten he used to be an orphan. And then, I was just... Of course, the first scene where we get the, the shoe uh, salesman guy who, with his store, I'm like, how does he not just... Go to the police and go, uh, yeah, that rich guy literally tortured me for like an hour. Uh, maybe arrest him. Well, because the police are too busy trying to catch terrorists in this town. And I, for, for me, <laughs> I was like, oh, well, why doesn't he just call the cops? And I went, oh, well, he's rich. Maybe he owns the police. Except the end of the film is then them going, oh, yeah, sure, we're going to catch you now. And then the end of the end of the film is... Hulk Hogan adopts all these orphans. Oh, look at him with all these orphans Except, in his big house. Weirdly, his house has like seven orphans in it uh, instead of three. At the last shot of the movie, I think. I think the end is he's hosting the original party that he wasn't going to host from the start. Oh, okay, that would make sense. So that's why there's a few more kids. Yeah, so it's like I'm hosting the neighborhood <laughs> Christmas party or some shit. And, and then just to show that he's not a murderer in this movie, he looks through a telescope and like uh, and sees the prisoners that are all the bad guys from this, like. Picking up trash in a jail. And they're all like in black and white striped outfits and they're all like chained together. And again, but the only thing this tells me is that this rich guy, the richest guy in town living up on a mountain, lives next door to a jail. Yeah, he has a house overlooking a jail. That's what he's always wanted. Finally. <laughs> all that I've ever needed, the house overlooking a jail, so I can feel better about being a millionaire? I- but what about that whole NIMBY thing? You think he'd be like, no jails in my yard. I should only be living near wineries. <laughs> and crate and barrels. <laughs> so that, my friends, is Santa with muscles. So let's go through our predictions, if we can remember them. I wrongly predicted that they would be mad at him for not being Santa. That goes that gets blown over immediately. When he shows up as not Santa, the girl just says, You're not Santa, you're better, and that's done. Yeah, and the there was no competition where they needed to raise money. There was nothing they needed to do to save the orphanage. It wasn't like <laughs> It wasn't in oh, danger. No, it, that was the thing, is it's not like, oh, Mr. Frost owns the deed and we have to pay him ten thousand dollars or else he'll own the property. They just had to keep saying no. Yeah, it was just, no, we don't want to sell. And he's like, oh, you will, after I deface another one of your mini, mini statues. And apparently he wanted it by Christmas for no reason. Also, it's not like the crystals were going to go bad if he didn't mine them by the 25th. Going back to the Tim Burton thing, both this rich guy's yard and this orphanage are completely full of statues. <laughs> statues, just, topiaries. Just statues everywhere. It's so Tim burton Uh And... So, uh, other predictions. Uh, let's see. I said that the blonde woman who's in the movie for like a minute was going to be Hulk Hogan's love interest. Yeah. That was wrong. There is a little hint that maybe the woman who runs the orphanage is, but it doesn't pan out to anything. So, no. He just doesn't have a love interest in this. No, he's just Santa con carne, and that's it. <laughs> Santa con muscles. Uh, so, so. I think those were mine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember what my other predictions were. Oh, no, it doesn't matter. None of them were right. This no. movie this movie defied expectations. <laughs> so, now we're going to give our rating of the film. The way we do it is we're each going to give it a 1 to 5. That combined together is giving us our rating of this film out of 10. Jeff. I'm going to give this film a 2. Uh, it doesn't get a 1 because I actually laughed a couple of times. <laughs> But on the other hand, <laughs> there are so many weird loose ends and bad acting, and the whole—I I keep saying it—but it really felt like a high school talent show, like a last-ditch effort. Like someone didn't know there was a talent show until the day before, and this was what they managed to come up with. Yeah, that's 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 what I had. So I'm gonna give it a two because it made me laugh like twice. Good. What are you gonna give it? Uh, I'm gonna give it also a two because mostly when I was watching it, I went, you know, this was bad, but it's not. As bad. Like, it's not offensively bad. I think IMDb has it as, like, uh, like a 2.5. I'm like, that's harsh. Because there are way worse films that don't even have that. Yeah, no, it's true. It, it, this movie, it was called No Holds Barred. 
Sorry, sorry. I was just trying to remember the name of that movie that <laughs> the Hulk Hogan movie that was exactly as like high schoolish in amateur. Oh, I could have told you that. You knew it was no holds barred the whole yeah. time. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, the uh, the film with the two of us gets a four out of ten, mostly because it isn't offensively bad. Like when I see a film that I think is horrible, it's either because it has nothing going on or because it's actually actively like racist or sexist or homophobic or something yeah, that's this terrible. Movie is me of that. The weird thing about this movie is like I said, I think this is my third Hulk Hogan movie that I've seen and usually the problem I have with the Hulk Hogan starring vehicles is that they will not let whatever image consultants he has will not let him have a flaw. No. Like when when he did that No Holds Barred movie, he was like, "Uh, I spend most of my time not wrestling, working for orphans. I have my own thing called Rips Kids. Also, I won't work for bad guys. I only work for good guys. All my money goes to charity. I only eat health food. I don't date, and I will never fail at anything. I'm just the best." But this movie, he's like a jerk at the start and so, at the end. So there yeah. you go. So this movie at least had a little bit more of a Hulk arc than than most of them. Yeah. So at least he's like, "Oh, I learned that it's way better to be." Nice than just constantly an asshole. Hooray. Uh, also, I just remembered that I've seen four Hulk Hogan movies, because I've also seen Rocky Three. Ah, oh, I have not. Oh, yeah, he plays the Thunder Lips in that. <laughs> <laughs> donkey, uh, I like to think of thunky li- Thunder Lips as Donkey Lips' dad. Yeah. That's that's the first thing I think of when I see that movie. I'm like, ah, he's too busy fighting, so he has to send his son to Camp Hanawana. <laughs> Don't worry, though. He holds him in his heart. <laughs> Uh, so there you go. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. Not that bad. Way better than Christmas with the Cranks. That's for goddamn sure. Maybe a D plus. <laughs> this is uh, this is definitely one of the better Hogan films. Uh, I'm gonna say it's one of the better Christmas films I've actually seen because at least it didn't have the like. I mean, granted, he's kind of a surrogate dad in the movie, but he doesn't have the "oh, I have to stop doing business" thing. Instead, he's like, "I'm going to teach these kids to do business. Uh, I'll just, I'll just fill my house with orphans. Whatever." <laughs> it doesn't have the usual beats of a boring dad Christmas movie. Yeah, instead of being a normal boring Christmas film, it's sort of a weird, boring '80s. We need to save the fill in the blank film. So I'm like, okay, it just sort of had that. Paint by numbers, but we filled in some Christmas stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So, there you go. There you go. That That is Santa with Muscles. And uh, if there is a movie you would like us to watch, we are back to our normal list now. So, anything that you want us to see and review on Movie Mastery, go ahead and let us know. You can get us at systemmastery at gmail.com. We are System Mastery on Twitter and Facebook and everything that exists. The website is systemmasterypodcast.com. And you can make comments about how we're totally stupid and The Nanny is one of the greatest films ever and Hulk Hogan is the best thespian you've ever seen. I'm sure someone will. <laughs> so if you want to leave comments, you can go to systemmasterypodcast.com, leave them under here, or just tweet at us or do anything you want to. And, Come uh, to our houses. Yeah. Come on over. Just take a dump right on our lawns. Put a little flag in it with your comment. (laughs) Uh, That's how we'll be able to use your ATM, though. I'll steal your card and then use your poo, and that's how I'll identify you, because you're so rich. Yeah, all of our rich listeners. All of our rich listeners, please come by and get amnesia. (laughs) Hijinks will ensue. Also, if you die, hijinks will ensue, because we'll have to pretend that you didn't. All right, so thank you so much for listening. We will be back in a couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. But until then, have a lovely new year. Bye.